content warning. This podcast contains coarse language and cheeky themes. So if you've got kids in the car, colleagues in the office, or a nonna in the kitchen, chuck some headphones in. Who the bloody hell are we? Conversations about immigration and culture in Australia with your hosts, Mel and Sonia. Hello, listeners. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Sonia Diorio and joining me is my wonderful co-host, Melissa Viola. Hello. Good morning, Sonia. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm just at home every day, (laughs) (laughs) like we have to be. (laughs) Yeah, very good. Very good. I mean, it's the right thing to do and I'm happy to hear it. Although I am very jealous of our guests not having to adhere to the same restrictions that we do. (laughs) Yes, Um, we have a a wonderful guest today, um, Alexi Toliopoulos. He is Sydney-based and he's a (laughs) Sydney-based podcaster, comedian, filmmaker, actor. Oh, I've yes. only, I would say an actor as of like last month, I appeared on TV acting, but never before and probably never since. That, well, that's a lot more than um, some professional actors in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I would include you in that category. Well, thank um, you so much. I've never been called an actor before. I'm quite flattered yeah. and honoured yes. and embarrassed. Yes. But basically, um, you work in a lot of creative fields and you are Sydney-based, so you can Mm. leave your house. And we hate you. (laughs) I'll be fair. I'm like living in an empathetic empathetic, uh, lockdown with you guys. I'm barely leaving the house. I'll go to the shops. That's it. I'll go to work. That's it. And otherwise, I'm trapped at home alone, yeah. scared, paranoid, nonstop. Responsible. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice way of putting it. Thank you. Sydney needs more people <laughs> like you. I believe so. Be, I do believe so. Just be paranoid at home. Um, so unfortunately, so we're we're recording this um, via a uh, online. We're all in our separate houses. We're not together in the studio. Unfortunately, let the record show if so any government ears are listening. <laughs> yes. We are all separate. Because of social distancing, I've sanitized my hands. Um, let's just run through all the safety procedures we've done this morning. <laughs> I don't think we need to go that far. Um, no one is investigating this podcast. Um, but uh, we've met in real life only a couple of times. Like we I run in so, similar yeah. comedy circles, but we've only really met a couple of times. And um, last time I guess I saw you, we were... Um, at the comedy <laughs> festival last year, yeah, and we both were doing a character at a late night sketch, like satirical footy show send up type thing. Yeah, hosted we by were... our friend uh, Tim Hewitt. Yeah, it was called Big Huey's Footy Show. Basically, a send up <laughs> of a footy show, which is quite easy to satire because they are ridiculous people. <laughs> And um, we were both playing uh, Wog characters. <laughs> yes. Right? Wog, I believe, yeah. was our name for both of our characters was yeah. uh, Wog. something Wog. Yeah. You, were you, your character was called Footy Wog's sister? Footy, I was Footy Wog's sister. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if we want to mention the name of your character. <laughs> I'll say it. I was uh, your cousin Gay Wog. You <laughs> <laughs> were. And then uh, we also had Footy Wog, the original Footy Wog OG played by Xavier Michaelides. And yeah. um, it was it was kind of impromptu 
the style of the show was kind of like, you know, a lot of comedians hanging around. Oh, hey, do you want to do you want to play Footy Wog sister tonight on the show? Yeah, you know, you've just and that's also your and... character's name. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love and like, and you can say this. And what else are you going to say? It was kind of like make it up on the night. And also they had some lines, and it was very fun. And loose. Yeah. Uh, I felt we bonded over that, you know. Having I think we had really... so much fun. I think yeah. instantly I was like, oh, we're good friends now from doing <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> this insane, stupid characters together and having to play relatives. It was great fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going from not really knowing to each other to like you're both playing woggy characters who are related yeah. in this show. Uh, I remember you were decked out in a full head to toe Adidas tracksuit. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I, I did loved. bring with me because that's what I wanted <laughs> to fly in on the plane. <laughs> that was my Great. actual outfits, what I normally oh. wear. Yeah, I had it. Uh, I th- think I changed. I was usually in Kappa. Uh, yes. In a Kappa jumper. Oh, I love Kappa. I love those two beautiful silhouetted women. My God, my two dream girls. That's so good. (laughs) I feel like uh, growing up at high school, um, Mm. being like the wogs at high school, I remember having Adidas tracksuit. I don't think I had a Kappa tracksuit. I believe my brother did. Did you have Adidas or Kappa growing up? Was that I only ever had Adidas. Wearing? I had Adidas, oh. but I only wear like I had shoes. I had a lot of Adidas sneakers, always had Adidas sneakers. And I had uh, Umbro. Umbro? Umbro, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. the other one that I had when I was much younger. I had Umbro and that you couldn't buy them in Australia. It had to be imported. I think someone bought them for me from Greece and I was like, wow, this is a special little present just for me. <laughs> <laughs> How lush. That's awesome. Very do you think, lush. Uh, do you think your gig was well received? Were there lots of people in the audience who uh, were, I don't know, feeling represented or like what was the vibe of the night as a I, walk boy oh sorry football football walk and football well walk i was i was, was gay that, walk what it was? football yeah. footy walk's cousin gay walk okay. i think I um yeah. i think we we killed it to be honest i think we got like probably the biggest laughs of the night yeah i don't think it wasn't like a woggy audience mm. But well, they were laughing because I think there were like two layers. It was like the, yeah. you know, the ethnic stereotypes, but it was also like definitely an emulation of um, yes, wog characters we saw growing up. So it was us taking a little back for the wogs this time. Yeah, we weren't yeah, letting yeah. Mark Mitchell do it. We were making fun of <laughs> Mark Mitchell doing that. Uh, and like, like Guido Haxis and stuff. That comedy. That's great. And it was really yeah. fun as well because I remember Sonia, you know, I think we'd only met once or twice before. I yeah, think when you yeah. came to Sydney, you you did, you did had done the show that I used to run, Green Lights. Yeah. And um, I remember before that show, we, me, you and Xavier were just having like so, like so much fun, like kind of like having like this nostalgic talk about like wog comedy because I think for all of yeah. us, at least it was like the first comedy that I had been exposed to was like Australian, like Mediterranean, Italian and Greek and like Spanish comedians and like what they, what they were doing. That was the first comedy I ever really saw. And Mm. I think that I'll always have like this like resonance for it. So it was really fun to kind of do like what I would classify as like a postmodern take on it with the three of us, very impromptu, very silly and meta. And I think as well, it was like, it was, you know, that's not always what my comedy is like. So it was very fun to just like 
really just go mm-hmm. ham and embrace it as well. Yeah, it's true. I felt the same because, you know, doing stand-up, it's like, and I do talk a lot about um, my background mm. in stand-up and my nonna and stuff, but it's more like stand-up style observational. I don't really do impersonations yeah. of my family. It's just kind of like the same style as my other, you know, written jokes or stories, but yeah. um, that is the subject matter. Um, whereas... Yeah, I think in the beginning it was more kind of uh, impersonations and sends up. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Mark Mitchell before. That's yeah, really funny because he was one of the first, you know, ethnic stereotype characters con the fruitera. Yeah, and um, and his wife Agapi. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. <laughs> he that. played her I too. He much. played her too. Oh. wasn't a separate character. <laughs> it wasn't a separate actor. <laughs> <laughs> I was fooled by his good acting. <laughs> yeah, that was on the comedy company in like the 80s. And yeah. then um, it was until Acropolis now where it was like, no, we actually have, you know, yes. people, Greeks and, um, you know, Spanish people actually playing their ethnicity and, mm. and sending it up. But yeah. they have more of a knowledge in that area. Yeah. So yeah. did you watch Acropolis now growing up? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so <laughs> yeah. funny. I watched it. I, the Wog Boy was like a huge movie for yeah. me. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I was seeing like the stage shows and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, there there was... were stage shows? I have no... Oh. Yeah. yeah they, was like... they do those characters live. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, I think they started as stage shows like back in the like the late eighties or early nineties before mm. Cropless Now, and then it was turned into. Uh, like I think they would have been at Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then yeah. they became like TV shows, then movies, and they still kind of do them as stage shows. Like I know Nick Giannopoulos and Mary Custis did one. Uh, a couple of years ago with the Superworld. Go- oh, not Superworld guys, the Sushi Mango guys. Uh, and, Star Wars. Um, yeah, well, Star Wargs, I believe yeah, is what yeah, it's yeah, called. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Star Wargs. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, because they did both um, the stage shows and uh, uh, the TV show. But the TV mm. show was such a hit that I guess then that um, gave them opportunities to like tour a lot and have a huge audience. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, I did watch it growing up and like laughed and that sort of thing. But it's, um, I, I mean, the if character of Effie, Mary Custos, is just, yeah. she's just like, I, everyone's great in the show, but that really sticks out. She's so iconic yeah. and mm. very funny. So bold. And, but I think it's yeah. like what you said, Son. It's like the reason why they were successful. I don't even like now it's kind of like a daggier form of comedy, but that's just yeah. more, of an, a, 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 yeah. more of a reflection on comedy evolving as it should. Um, mm. But I think it's the fact that, you know, all of this stuff is drenched in culture and knowledge Mm. and lived experience. So that's why, you know, people can relate to it and it's really funny. It reminds me of like around like the late 90s, early 2000s, my brother and his friends would make videos, which then when YouTube finally became a thing, they're on YouTube. And (laughs) the reason why those videos are really funny is because they were wog boys in the northwestern suburbs. And, yeah, they were being more exaggerated versions of themselves. But, you know, it was um, Nico, the the mother, in his car driving around the (laughs) Maccas car park. He's fucking hilarious still because they're just Mm. like, you know those guys. Like, sure, they're over the top. They're caricatures. (laughs) But those people exist. You go to Broadmeadows, you see them every day. Yeah. 
I think there's like an authenticity to it that's like important. And I think it's like this, there's this weird thing. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this, but there was like this weird thing a few weeks ago where it was like people have lost their minds in lockdown where, uh, of course, there was so much stuff about like Chris Lilly, about how he, uh, like how Jonah was like this blackface character mm, and like mm. kind of like it, the, it was very much painted that he was stealing uh, someone's lived experience mm. and this character was like inauthentic and it was cruel and it was nasty. And um, there was like this little portion of Greek Australian Twitter where they were like, oh, can we finally talk about Mark Mitchell and how he did Pontian face right. uh, when he did uh, when he did Conda Frutera. And I was just like crazy. I was like, this is so different to that yeah. is in that in Australia, like, yes, Mark Mitchell probably, it was a character done with love, whatever you want to say about it. But uh, I would agree that, yes, because of this character and the characterization, the voice, it probably gave people, uh, like racist people, the information that they needed to mock Greek and Italian people, mock their accents and, um, you know, mock their heritage in a way. But probably in a way that they thought was not cruel or anything. But also mm -hmm. immediately after that and contemporaneously to that, like Greek and Italian and like Spanish people, Mediterranean migrants were on TV, were in movies, like telling their stories mm -hmm. and like giving the authentic, like lived experiences and like use, being able to use their own voices to tell their own stories. But I don't think the big difference was like the Islander communities and newer migrants to Australia they have not had that same opportunity. So it's just like going insane that these people were like putting themselves into like this movement that yeah. I don't think we belong in anymore. I don't think mm. that's, we should be fighting for uh, newer migrants to have their stories told as well. Yeah, there's a huge difference. And um, the, you have to go back further, much further than the 80s and 90s yes. for that to be the case for Greeks and Italians. I'd say Absolutely. probably the 30s, 1930s. Yes. But because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I have read about there were people, you know, who, you know, white Australians, even though we are white people, mm. um, but they were perceiving Italians as dark and criminals and we don't want them here. But then there was the mass immigration where the government was behind Greeks and Italians mm. coming here and they um, said that this is a positive thing and so they had the power or the, the government behind them in support of them, whereas for other groups now they've got, you know, the negative rhetoric from the government Absolutely. and from... Mm. Uh, you know, so many media personalities that the power, there's the power uh, dynamics is totally different. Totally different. Yeah. So I think there's a difference between like ethnically white and like culturally white. And I think that some people don't see that line where they're like, oh, you know, I'm Greek, so I'm not white. It's like, no, you are. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, were made to feel different white. and othered, but it's not, yeah. but you're still you white. Still you still receive privilege. privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You still benefit yeah. from white privilege. And it's all these yeah. people like that were, I get, that didn't see that. I was like, are you 
Nuts? Yeah. There's no such thing as Pontian face. I don't think that exists. <laughs> or like, oh, you know, we got cold wogs growing up and like had, you know, people got treated badly, you know, yes. they had stuff thrown at them called wog, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like that's, you know, when, when those power structures aren't against you also, it's like, okay, well, is that racism or is it just, you know, yeah. verbal kind of abuse? Because I think it's like you, the difference you know, between like racism like, and systemic racism. It's like I've yeah, experienced yeah. racism, but I've never mm, experienced mm. systemic yeah, racism. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, we started lightheartedly with <laughs> comedy <laughs> and it Wait, got really deep. Uh, it got really deep. But um, oh, the other one I should bring up was uh, did you watch Fat Pizza? Up. I loved fat pizza. <laughs> I absolutely adored fat pizza. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it was filmed like around where I lived as well, like not far yeah. from it. So, yeah. you know, I also the first comedian I ever saw live was Tahir from Fat Pizza. Oh, really? Who played her yeah. bib on Fat Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. But My brother fat was pizza obsessed was, with it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. It was tr- like tremendous for me i was like this is it i think it's probably what made me want to get into comedy if i'm really? completely honest was fat pizza i just That's thought it was awesome. the so funny. it was the shit dude in my how opinion. old are you like what age uh, how, how old would you have been then then i would have been early teens or preteen. Yeah. i'm 28 now yeah see that's around the right age where that comedy really does just like knocks you absolutely over. knocked me yeah. out i just loved it <laughs> I remember watching it in high school and, yeah, we thought it was the funniest thing. But I don't want to re-watch it because I feel like it would be <laughs> yes. really problematic. <laughs> I would agree to that, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just keep it's it It's like in. kind of you also can't find it anywhere, so yeah. who knows? Yeah. Maybe there's a reason. So uh, you are you're a huge film fan. Mm-hmm. You co-host yes. three film podcasts. Um, you review films, film mm-hmm. reviewer, filmmaker, would you say? Uh, sometimes, yes, sometimes I would say. Sometimes uh, Hopefully um, more so eventually in the future when we're future, allowed to yeah, work yeah. in a crew of people and stuff. Filmmaker slash emerging actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put actor on everything now. Yeah, yeah. Piss actual actors off and go like, yeah, I'm actor now. I love it. I'm good at it. Um. Uh, you've spoken a lot about your love for the film Looking for Ali Brandy. Oh, yes. And uh, so much so that you even staged a live reading of it last year, which is yeah. incredible. Honestly, probably the highlight of my entire life was doing that live <laughs> table read of it. It was, right. it was really like it was like the best thing I've ever done and it was so like it's, it's Looking for Ali Brandy, if you're not familiar, it's like it's this text about uh, three generations of Italian women uh, living in Sydney and there's like this uh, kind of scandalous story in their history. Um, and to me, it was like the movie that I, when I first saw it, it came out in the year 2000. So I would have seen it about a year later on VHS because my cousin Christina was like obsessed with it and she's half uh, Sicilian, half Greek. And so she was like, oh, this is my family. I loved it. And so we watched it when I would have been about like 10, maybe 10 years old. And I was just like, it kind of blew me away because I, I, you know, I'd loved movies already by that point, but it was all stuff like, you know, Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Mm. But it was like the first like adult movie that I remember seeing. And or first, like, I guess, like serious drama, comedy 
thing that I remember seeing going like, oh, that's me. That's my life. Mm-hmm. I hadn't felt that resonance before where I saw my own uh, experience, my own family, literally my own neighborhoods on screen because it's like filmed in the same part of Sydney that yeah. I grew up in. And uh, like I grew up in a house with like my mom and my yaya for the most part. And so I always see that as like this is the most – uh, accurate representation of what multi-generational migrant families feels yeah. like as it goes from like first generation to second generation. I was like, this is like the perfect encapsulation of that microcosm of that feeling. Mm. And so that text is like always meant so, so much to me that I was like, I always had this idea. I, like, I want to do like a live table. We should have get like famous movie scripts and like, and I get great actors to kind of like just read them and it'd be about like honoring the script, but also like seeing how performance works in real time. It was like this thing. And that was looking for Ella Brandi was always the one I was like, this is the one I really, really want to do. I really want to do looking for Ella Brandi because I know it's like a great Sydney movie. It's a movie that like people in Sydney really care about. And like, especially my community of like, you know, migrants, like Greek and Italian migrants, Maltese migrants, like the wogs of Sydney it's like the key text. So I always wanted to do that to kind of like, in a way, give something back to, to my community mm-hmm. and to like the art that like made me want to become a filmmaker and a storyteller. And it was like the most creative, rewarding experience that existed on one night because I was able to like meet Melina Marquetta mm-hmm. to get, because the script only existed in like, uh, like a scholastic book that was so, that was used in schools. Yep. But I wanted to like get like a proper script, so I reached out to her and um, she because we had to ask her if we if she would be interested in us doing it and if she would come out so I could talk to her. And she was really excited by it because she knew that we pitched it to her as there would be like a comedic angle to it mm. because it would be a majority of comedians and I think that she was excited because the script is really funny and the book is really funny and the movie's funny but just having funny comedians be the ones reading the script out and us making like and me making like weird choices with who's cast and what characters and kind of like take taking like meta choices on some things it um it really made it a comedy like people were laughing the entire time because it just highlighted like a different aspect to her work but it was like probably my most treasured memory was like being in her house in five dock as she's going through her garage like finding all these old copies of the script to lend out to me so i can photocopy them and like work off them and adapt them to like this new setting it was. I was like in a heaven. That's I was incredible. in a little heaven, to be honest. Tears yeah. in your eyes as she hands you the script. Oh, big time! I literally, <laughs> like, the same year I worked on a TV show, and um, it was like a panel show in and about movies and comedy. And uh, I was like working in the producing team, and the casting director was like, "Can you write down like who you would love to be a guest on this show? Who you think would be really good?" And I like wrote Pia Miranda top <laughs> on the top of the page, like Pia Miranda. And then she came on the show, and oh, I was like, wow. st- I couldn't go near her. I was like starstruck all day. And um, that casting director came, was like, "Do you want to come meet her?" And I was like, "Yes." I brought my Look at Valor Brandy book with me that I stole from my high school. And I was like, "I'm going to get her to sign it. I'm going to ask. It's the least I can do." And I like 
she was in makeup and I came down. I'm like, oh, yes, this movie meant so much to me. And I like stealing her like a bad. I was like, I stole this book from my school when I was like 13 <laughs> years old. I was wondering if you could sign it for me. And she like signs it. And then like Nate Falvo was sitting next to her, who I know is just like making fun of me because I started like crying because I was so excited to meet her. This was like last year. This is very recently. Last and year. it was. Oh, yeah, wow. this was last year. This was like I was twenty seven. Like five years ago. No, I was like twenty seven <laughs> years old, <laughs> meeting my childhood hero. Go like, oh yes, thank you. I'm getting emotional talking about it now. Um, my heart is melting just watching you describe it. Yeah. It's the mo- it's so endearing. The first thing Sonia said to me ages ago yeah. about people that we might have on the show, and when she introduced you as an idea or as a guest, one of the first things she said was, ah. Oh, He's obsessed with looking for Ella Franti. And I was like, I, I think I love him already. I was like, I think that's such an amazing, like, that's such an amazing description of a person. Like, yeah, um, well, it's so accurate. Nice. <laughs> and you've got, so you've got the, the book signed by P. Miranda, but it's signed by Melina Marquetta yes, as well. Yes, I signed yeah. by Melina Marquetta. I got my mm. Bible signed by God and Jesus, in my opinion. <laughs> 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 um, that's great because. Well, she wrote the the book and the film mm. as well. Um, yeah. You know, quite often there's different writers to do the film adaptation, yeah. but it's so great that she did both. And yeah, yeah. Mm. and she's a brilliant writer as well. I think mm. that she really captures like this playful, like authenticity that's really important. Like reading the script, it's like it's so clear that this is the only way it could have been done. Is that it does yeah. have like that really accurate feeling of like what migrant, what diaspora communities feel like. Yeah. And that idea of like the dis- the disparity between the first and the second generation Absolutely. and the and the original migrants as well that there is like this like cultural difference between them and the struggle that they have and that's something I could really relate to because my my grandparents migrated to Australia from Greece and uh, in the sixties so it was before the uh, military junta and uh after civil war and mm. they they came here because like my parent my grandparents were communists and they were like my grandfather my grandfather was like they're probably going to get killed or assassinated mm. and um they had always like my grandmother her side of the family had always been uh like in communism as well and like her her brother when they were children was like pretty was like taken by the fascists and murdered like Mm. basically in front of her and so it's like always been like part of this story that I've had is this kind of like this idea of like generational trauma where it's like I feel I feel like I felt not the exact experience of that obviously but like because that's been part of my story it's like that has been my migrant story and why I really care about migrant stories because my family we were refugees we were basically you know asylum seekers coming to australia that wasn't the word for it then but coming to australia to seek a better life and my grandparents were like very smart people they may not have been university educated but they're like very very smart people my grandmother she passed away at the start of, at the end of last year my yeah she um 
you know, she worked in like factories and stuff, but she spoke like six languages, but none of them were English very well. She like spoke because she came to Australia and then she was in like this migrant community here. So she learned like Croatian and she already could speak like Bulgarian from the part of Greece that she was from being like occupied by Bulgaria at points. And then so she could speak German, she could speak Greek, she could speak Italian, and she could understand every language. And her, but her, her English was like good as well, but it was still like that broken English because mm. she like could lived in this migrant community, not like an Australian community. Yeah, yeah, that's the same for my nonnas. Well, none of neither of them learned how to speak English, so they wouldn't, they couldn't say a sentence, but mm. um, they could understand stuff, but. You know, they could just say words and then there's these, you know, everyone around them was Italian and even just Mm. going to the shops, they wouldn't need to communicate. They'd just look how much it is on the thing and like not really talk, just smile and say hi. Um, Yeah. But then there's this other language that is created, which is a mix of Italian and English words, which are neither language but... Yeah, it's this. Um, it's not broken English. It's just you know made up words. Like, um, yeah. m- my favorite is I think we've spoken about this before. Is that my <laughs> nonna's friend used to call Priceline Pricciolina? Oh, I've gotta go down the Pricciolina. I gotta go buy some hair dye. That's my favorite. And to this day, we call it Pricciolina. Like, oh yeah, Pricciolina. And I, I don't even say it as a joke anymore. It's just like that's so good. Like, go to Coles, go to Pricciolina. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot so of you can stuff. you can take that one. Yeah, a lot of brands yeah. with accents, or uh, you know, we say the backyard. Um, yeah, the Lufenzo, like the fence. But it's just yeah. like yeah, all these um. Uh, random words that are mashed together. Um, yeah, but that's, that's exactly the same in Greek. Exactly, Back, yeah, backyard yeah. is exactly one of them. Backyard, though, this is what we called it. And um, uh, freezer is like uh, fridge, even though psigio is what it is in Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they call it freezer, to freezer. It's like yeah, not a Greek yeah, word yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. That's great. Um, but it's. As you were saying, it is a funny script. Um, there's a lot of humor mm. in it. There's a lot of incredible sadness and it's like really mm. emotional. But there is humor and I guess, you know, for us growing up watching these wog characters and kind mm. of caricatures and then this brings it into sort of the realism and mm. like yeah. comedy and drama but like in a more real way yeah um and i yeah i definitely felt like 100 percent connected to pia miranda's character like 200 percent. like <laughs> i um were, just wanted to listen to rock music and yeah. not do tomato day and just like date someone who looks exactly like Kit Gurry. Like just oh, of course. <laughs> like when I was That doesn't change. Up. That's the one part that doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't feel I was um as angsty. Like, mm. you know, just a movie. Um, I've seen photos of you, Sonia. I think you were <laughs> <that> angsty. Okay. <laughs> 
the photo, there's photo evidence that you were that angsty. So as, like, as much as you want to say, repress but, that. But um, no, but I feel like her her angst and moodiness and bitchiness or whatever it, it makes mm. sense in the movie because yeah. you know there is this backstory and like we're cursed and you're a curse and mm. you know um, she doesn't know who her father is and like it's a it, it, the fact that she exists it's a like bad thing like mm. you know because of the way um that that situation was perceived at mm. the time and in that community um which is is a very real thing um yeah i know from the way that my nonnas talk and or my yeah. grandparents spoke and the older italians talk about yeah, just the non-traditional family or someone, yeah. you know, having a baby out of wedlock. Yeah. Which is a thing, I guess, wedlock. <laughs> what the fuck? And it's that um, whole thing of like the old world meeting the new and it's like yeah. the superstitions of the old world meeting yes. like a, 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 a culture and community that doesn't have superstitions, that doesn't have like this, like this, this ancientness around it that kind of yeah. like... It's 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 something that really fascinates me, and I think that's that that text does it so well. Yeah, and like the you know, I'm growing up living in you know modern Australia, whereas my grandparents, even my mother, until she was mm. nineteen, was lived in a you know little village in Italy, and very traditional, very much like you'll get married, you'll have a family, um, and then so. The difference between my mother and me is like she's quite young, so yeah. the age difference isn't there, but there's still a very big difference like culturally because mm. of the way we grew up. It's um, yeah. vastly different um, as opposed to if, yeah, I, I had parents who grew up in Australia and... Yeah, I, I just feel like there's a real, real point of difference. Yeah, um, I think yeah. so. My mum, my mum was, I think, four between. I think she was seven when she migrated mm. to Australia, and so my dad's side of the family is all white Australian Scottish. But I grew because I mainly just grew up with like my mother's side of the family mm. in a house with that. My and living with my grandparents as well, kind of like. Uh, it's like I've always had like that thing between like a first and second generation where I grew up with my grandparents speaking Greek to me. So I spoke mm. like my, when I started like primary school, my, I spoke, probably spoke better Greek than English when I was in yeah. preschool. Cause I spoke it more at home and we lived in Greece for, I think like half a year. Cause my dad got a job lecturing at some universities there. And my, we weren't like, Oh, we should go. We should go as a family and like live there while he's doing these, all these lectures and stuff. And so my dad converted to like Greek Orthodox. Oh, my dad wow. learned how to speak Greek fluently to like be with, to be with my grandparents and with my mom. And, um, so it's always like this thing where it's, has been this weird thing where I grew up, you know, I don't look like I'm completely Greek, but I had like an almost exclusively Greek upbringing and almost only knew Greek people until I was in primary school. And then my primary school was still like in, the, in Leichhardt, which is all Greeks, all Italians. And yeah. that's what my school life was like. It was always very diverse. So it's kind of like, I always feel like, Oh yeah, I, I 
consider myself like in this migrant community rather than like, oh, Australian, you know, even though I'm like half, half. Yeah, but I mean, what do what I I feel like culture doesn't work like that, like being yeah. half or percentage of like yeah, you you have an Australian dad, you've got a Greek yeah. mom, but it's like you're Greek Australian, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, percentage. I even feel like being technically third gen, like I, you know, I spent all of my days off at school uh, like you know whenever mm. I wasn't at kinder I was at my nonna's house yeah. and it was uh, constantly trying to like help nonna communicate or like get nonna yes. around mm-hmm. like be with my grandparents not speaking very good Italian but being like surrounded by it yes. like it's it's just I guess it's like these titles that are given to us and, and we give ourselves mm-hmm. you know being third gen doesn't necessarily describe your experience very well it's just it's just a title. Your so your dad learnt Greek and converted, which is huge. Yeah, um, did that crazy? Because my family is not that religious, so it's, I don't know how big a deal that was that he did that. That's, that he got that's, like that's bathed nice... in the oil. Wow, <laughs> it's very that's lovely very gesture. Big, it's very uh, big fat Greek wedding. Was he in like a big yeah. puddle pool? Absolutely, that's exactly what it was. Oh, Another movie that resonates <laughs> for me. Oh yeah, yes, he was in a paddle pool, from what I understand, wow. and um. Yeah, and also, like, when my parents divorced, my dad still, like, went to, like, Greek Easter stuff. Like, he still, oh, like, nice. we I saw him at church one year. Like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm still <laughs> Greek Orthodox. And yeah. I found that as, like, such an odd thing. But I guess for him, like, having zero religion growing up, maybe that was, like, a spiritual, mm. a spiritual thing where he felt connected yeah. to something finally. The connection had been made and mm. it's like, well, this is me now. I'm exactly. Greek I'm a religious man now. Year. Yeah. That's, nice. <laughs> that's really nice. So that obviously helped him assimilate and grow a relationship with your grandparents. Um, mm. Do you know initially if there was some beef or some some beef? A great way to describe <laughs> it. Um, if there were any issues with your mum dating a non-Greek boy? I think that only, only very minorly in that, like, maybe my grandparents couldn't really speak to him very well. The other weird thing is, like, my grandparents, they migrated, like, to Greece via, to Australia via Germany. So they both spoke English, not with a Greek accent, but a German accent. (laughs) So (laughs) there is, like, this weird thing where there's, like, all these, because my grandparents spoke so many languages where they all just kind of, like, were a weird thing. They had these German accents in English, but no other language. Um, And I think that would have been, like, a communication barrier, but because my family was, like, very progressive, I don't think they would have seen something like that as as strange. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I come from like quite a religious family and that's something I connected to with um, in the film. Mm. Um, there's a scene where she shares a bed with her nonna and, you know, her nonna's got the rosary beads. I, I remember sharing a bed with my nonna a lot growing up and she'd get us to pray at night and we'd say the rosary. So we're doing our fathers and the Hail Marys and everything. Wow. Going to bed. Yeah, full on. And even like she's got the crucifix on top of the bed. There's like every single bed, there's something um, an yeah, icon above like it. Hanging on, uh, wow. Hanging up My nonna had a right. one a rosary, but like I'm assuming yours was the same, like one of those huge ones, like the giant had, rosaries. Like, yeah, like a giant yep. rosary above her bed. Yep. And I mean, like I don't 
think I ever saw her pray. I think she mm. just liked the imagery. <laughs> Maybe like, you know, she's got my back. The monotonous up there. She's watching over me. But I don't really remember my nonna praying. But those mm. yeah, no. rosaries are intense. They're huge. It's a, it's a big They're image like, to have over you all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember, I'm not sure if it was my parents or at my nonna's house, there was one of those giant rosary beads, but it was hung <laughs> around a like a religious picture, like a picture of Jesus or something. So it's like real double whammy. Oh, my God. I know exactly what this is. I know exactly. It's my, my yaya, I think she was religious in a sense that she like – when they, her and my grandfather would like go to church more regularly than just Easter, and then that mm. slipped away. But I think that was more of her connecting to connecting to something and finding like this place in Australia and connection to her heritage in a way. She like talks about God, but it was never like part of her morality was never shaped by it. It was all just mm. like we had lots of pictures of Jesus and like lots of like these silver icons and stuff like that everywhere. But it was more like a cultural thing rather than any sense of yeah, shaping right. how she would like tell me to behave in my life. It was more, you know, it was more that. So you didn't go to Greek Orthodox school? Uh, I went to a Sunday school for like, I went twice and then I went to a, <laughs> a Greek school at the, at a church, which was the church I was baptized in. That was like a Greek language school. Mm. And um, I would have been like, seven or eight years old going there and the teacher was like this very strict lady Kilia Effie her name was Kilia Effie and she was like this little strict old yaya lady and she gave us a slap with a ruler she gave us the cane <laughs> when we were beha right. behaving on across the hands and I remember when I got the I got the slap from her I was mm. like this is not on. I I couldn't stand. I couldn't believe it. I'd never been struck by my parents. I'd never been struck before. And then this stranger came and struck me across the hands. And I remember I left and I never went back. And I told my parents like she hit me. She got a ruler, a wooden ruler, and racked my knuckles with Holy it. Were you like, this is 1998? This is unacceptable, yes. lady. <laughs> this is not on. This is not on. And I remember telling my yaya about it, and she lost it. She lost her mind that this happened. Really? And yeah. then this lady, Kelly Effie, called on my actual birthday when during my birthday party was happening. So everyone was around. All my god brothers, my godparents, my cousins. Everyone was around and she, my yaya answered the phone. She's like, hi, Kilia, who is this? This is uh, Kilia Effie. I'm just wanting to see where Lexi is. And then when my yaya found out who it was, she just started screaming at her. <laughs> just went like, how dare you? Just really like chewing at these two old Greek ladies just fighting across the phone. And so that's it. That's it. I think like I think it might have been because like other kids got pulled out because my parents told the other parents like they're hitting the kids. There. <laughs> they're hitting the kids there at this church. Oh man, that's crazy. What do you reckon you were doing? Like, how were you misbehaving that you deserved? Probably the just goofing up? off. Probably yeah, goofing, goofing off. off. Yeah, probably yeah, said probably. shit or something. Probably said some sort of some stupid thing. Probably not paying you, attention. Probably being funny, being a star, being a little actor. Yeah, you said shit, but you said it in English, not Greek. Yeah, skata, <laughs> and they're just getting that little whip. Yeah. All right. Um. Cool. Well, 
that's a great place to end. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Alexi. Oh, this um, was so fun. fun. I love this it's podcast. I think that you guys are doing a great job. It's so it's so interesting to hear these stories from uh, from people about their like heritage and their lineage and stuff. I find it I find it really fascinating and beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Um, it is. It's really great. So glad <laughs> you, that you think so. I'm glad you enjoy it. That's a very high compliment from a consummate podcaster. <laughs> you do have quite a few podcasts, right? Yeah, uh, Cameron James and I host like mainly movie podcasts together. We do yeah. one called Total Reboot that's weekly where we talk about reboots, remakes, and ripoffs in cinema. And uh, we did a podcast where I talk a little bit more about this kind of stuff with my family uh, for the ABC called Finding Drago, which is like a mystery investigation about uh, Rocky's four spin off fan fiction novel that I discovered about the villain Ivan Drago and um, I would say if you like that podcast keep subscribed to that feed because there will be something coming out uh, very soon in a sequel second season type fashion. That's probably yeah. the most I've said on the record about what we're doing but yeah there will be a sequel. I'll say it <laughs> I'll say it here. Subscribe to it. it we're making a sequel. It's uh, all about look, Greek as, school. As the Greek school, <laughs> <laughs> baby. We're making a Greek school. <laughs> where can people find you online for all the info about your podcasts, etc.? cetera? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at this is Alexi. It's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. Um, as the big movie nerd that I am, I very much enjoy them. I think they're hilarious. Total reboot. <laughs> laughing a lot. So listeners, oh, check you. them out. They're, uh, they're good qual. Thank you. Thank Great. you. For all you nerds out there. Thanks for joining no us. No nerds allowed. Only hotties. Only listen if you're hot, if you're a nerd. Don't want any part of you. This is a podcast for for hotties, not nerds. That's not nice. I feel like oh, I wish you were in the room so I could slap you with a ruler. No. Oh, I'm getting PTSD. No. My trauma. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Thank you for joining us, Alexi. And thanks for listening, everyone. We're on Patreon. Um, for a few bucks a month, you can get bonus episodes, our newsletter, and a shout out on the show. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please spread the word. It will help us grow and um, continue to create more great episodes with wonderful guests. Goodbye, everyone. Ciao. Yasu. Thanks for listening to Who the Bloody Hell Are We? If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Audio production and original music is by Andre Christodoulou. Search for us on Facebook for more information about our guests, fun content and to keep the conversation going. Thank you.